are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day, Brian Peacock here with you on this Monday episode of the show. This is a rapid react, as it usually is on Mondays after a Sunday football game. Going to break down some of the takeaways I saw from Sunday's action and just a straight beatdown of the 49ers, 39-10. to The Los Angeles Rams remain unbeaten and a defeat the 1-6 and 49ers at home in front of the alumni crowd. A little bit embarrassing. And I know some fans on Twitter were just just not having it. Not, not happy about what's going on with the 49ers. So we'll get into what I saw from the field on Sunday. Uh, I do want to tease Tuesday's episode because I think I have some answers for the 49ers. I'm going to drop, uh, I don't know how many points it's going to be. Maybe a five-point plan on how the 49ers can can get a little bit better going forward in 2018 and especially in 2019. So what I think I would do if I was in charge and how to maybe go about uh, riding the ship here for the 49ers and and things seem to be getting uh, even worse as the season goes on for the 1-6 49ers. Uh, Later on this week, I'm going to have Eric Crocker. He is a former NFL and AFL defensive back, so we're going to get into the defensive backs, and uh, he does as good a job as anybody breaking down defensive backs and a 49ers fan, so we'll talk to him from 4thand9.com, Eric Crocker breaking down the defensive backs for the 49ers. And, of course, our weekly Wink episode, which will be coming on Friday and the crossover Uh, Taking a look ahead on Wednesday, the Wednesday crossover, as happens across the Locked On Podcast Network, doing those Wednesday crossovers. It's been fun. I enjoy talking to the hosts of the upcoming matchups. We'll be talking to, again, for the second time this season. We just played a few weeks ago, but Alex Clancy and Bo Brack of Locked On Cardinals. That'll be on Wednesday's show. Uh, but tomorrow, I'm going to do a little bit of a mailbag, so hit me up with those mailbag questions at BDPeacock on Twitter or email LockedOn49ers at gmail.com, and I'll also be dropping my five-point plan on how maybe to help fix the 49ers a little bit as we go forward toward the 2019 season. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review the show. We're on iTunes, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Spotify, and go to LockedOn49ers.com for more coverage as well as the streams and where to subscribe to the podcast. Right off the bat, you knew something was not right about the 49ers uh, because Richard Sherman popped up on the injury report as an inactive player. And it looks like he may have hurt his calf in practice potentially late in the week. And as far as I know, he was practicing all week and he should have been ready to go. He was held out of that game due to injury along with cornerback Jimmy Ward. So uh, that was a little bit rough to start. I think Richard Sherman's probably been as good, if not the best player on the 49ers as anybody all season. DeForest Buckner would have a little something to say about that. But, uh, yeah, so that was a rough way to start the uh, the morning that goes into the afternoon, 90 minutes before game time when those inactives are listed. J- Richard Sherman didn't play for the 49ers. Dante Pettis was out, as we knew. Joshua Garnett not 
playing, even though he's healthy. So a healthy scratch for a couple of offensive linemen in Joshua Garnett and Sean Coleman. And two players that is a little bit disappointing that they can't get on the field, because I would like to see these guys going forward. They might pop up in my five-point plan on tomorrow's show. A defensive lineman, DJ Jones and Julian Taylor. Those were the inactives from Sunday's game against the Rams. And well, it turns out the NFL made the right call, flexing that football game out of prime time. And actually, I didn't even get a chance, and I still have not watched. I'll probably jump onto Game Pass tomorrow at some point and watch a little bit of that Chiefs-Cincinnati Bengals game. I know Pat Mahomes lit it up again. He's the first guy ever to throw for 22 touchdown passes in the first seven weeks. Just ridiculous what's going on in Kansas City with that offense. But I think they got it right because that was a little bit of a snoozer, very one-sided game as the Rams beat the 49ers on Sunday. So I think NFL made the right call, and going forward, whatever games the 49ers can get flexed out of in prime time, i got to believe that's going to happen. And they've got a couple of more primetime contests coming up, and we'll see if they actually get to keep those or if the NFL moves them out of prime time. Because the 49ers aren't a primetime team right now. Let's let's face it. Let's be real. I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call out to all my listeners here, and I want you guys going forward this season to be real. I need some realistic expectations, some realistic uh, viewpoints, some realistic questions in the mailbag as we go forward because this isn't the time. I know it's. I know the 49ers fans are called the 49ers faithful, and faithful is good, but realistic and maybe more hopeful than faithful might be better uh, way to look at it because. We need some. We need to be real about where the team is and what to do going forward to get better. I think that's important as a fan, just for your own mental well-being. <laughs> Don't expect the 49ers to win a single game and then be happy when they do win some games and the schedule does get a lot better going forward from here on out, especially in the middle part of the season. Uh, Matt Breida. I think it was pretty clear after he hurt his ankle on the very first play from scrimmage that... He probably should not have gone back in the football game. And look, I give credit to all these guys for putting their bodies on the line, but you have to be smart and you have to save players from themselves at some point. And I think Matt Breida might be one of those. And maybe we're seeing that from Richard Sherman, who maybe uh, shouldn't have been going at 100% and, and aggravated his injury in practice. Maybe if he was held out one week, he could have played this week. Uh, who knows? But Matt Breida is the more obvious one where He's limping around on his ankle, leaves the game, comes back in. Let the guy sit. Like, let the guy sit for two weeks. He, do not let Matt Breida play another football game this season until he's 100% healthy. And it's an ankle injury, and it doesn't look to be anything more. Luckily, right now, we'll see. He'll probably have an MRI and probably get checked out, and we'll learn more about that on uh, later Monday. But Matt Breida's got to sit for a while. Get him healthy. Luckily, Raheem Mostert has looked pretty good in his place. Uh, Raheem Mostert has burst. The dude gets to the second level instantly and just gets chunk yardage. The 49ers have speed at the running back position with those two guys. Raheem Mostert in this game, again, the leading rusher like he was last week. 8.4 yards per carry on his seven carries for 59 total yards. Had a long of 16. Also reeled off uh, some nice receptions as well. Uh, he was the second leading receiver for the 49ers as far as receptions go behind George Kittle. More on George Kittle in a moment, uh, but four catches for 19 yards. He had a 23-yarder and then had a couple of short screen passes that didn't really go anywhere. Uh, but uh, Raheem Mostert, it, it, it's fun to watch that guy run just because of he gets 
up to top speed instantly and it's part of what makes him such a good gunner on special teams as he can just flat out fly down the field he's got a crazy burst so that's fun to watch so it's been a positive to be able to to see Raheem Mostert get the most extended action at running back in his NFL career and uh, I like what I've seen there and he almost didn't get that opportunity because he fumbled earlier in the season uh, but now he's getting that opportunity with uh, Matt Breida being out Alfred Morris taking a couple of carries to 2.8 yards per carry on his nine touches he he led the 49ers backfield in touches or in uh rushes at least with nine for only 25 yards and, and Alfred Morris is who he is he's sort of a plodding back he was never fast to begin with and he's getting a little bit old and he's got some wear on his tires so I, I think even if Matt Breida can't go and like I mentioned I hope he is held out next week Raheem Mostert looks like he might be the lead back going forward for the 49ers uh, and I'm all for it Let's see some explosive young players get out there and play. Uh, Speaking of explosive young players, Richie James. It looks like he is now the straight-up return man for the 49ers, at least with Dante Pettis being out and DJ Reed, who fumbled last week and got that job yanked from him. Uh, Richie James, he's the return guy, both punts and kickoffs. Never really got a chance to make a play on Sunday. I was hoping to see him do a little bit something. Uh, Didn't get any run on offense either. So uh, mostly touchbacks and fair catches for Richie James. He did return a couple. He did return one punt and one kickoff, I believe, uh, but didn't make any huge plays there. But uh, I'm all about Richie James getting as many touches uh, as he can going forward. All right, some more takeaways coming up here, and we've got some game balls to give out. Yes, there are still some game balls to give out. I believe I'm going to give out, well, there's one for sure I want to give out. Uh, the second one gets a little bit more dicey for the 49ers. Uh, but, yeah, we'll give out a couple of game balls coming up in just a bit. I want to tell you guys real quick about my bookie. And uh, I never know who's going to win the game. I usually have a pretty good idea uh, when it's come to the 49ers at this point. I don't know how you can pick them to win any games this year. Uh, with the egg they laid this week. But the 49ers have shown to be competitive at times, but uh, I never know exactly who's going to win. I like to think I can pick pretty good against the spread. It's a lot easier, especially with the 49ers not being favored much, and you can go see those lines at MyBookie. If you think you know who's going to win, you got to check out MyBookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. They've been in the business for years, great reviews online, and their mobile site is a breeze to use. So lay down some cash and win big today. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Bet the over on George Kittle, for example. And if you join now, my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code locked on. Special promo code for our listeners that is locked on to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online today and they will match your first deposit 100% up to $1,000. Again, that's my bookie, M Y B O K I E. And don't forget to use promo code locked on when creating your account to claim the bonus of your first deposit match. up to $1,000. At MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. So Solomon Thomas was a big subject of conversation last week on the podcast, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about Solly Thomas because I saw some very good things and some things that were frustrating on Sunday. Number one was they finally threw him out there and let him rush from the inside, which is where he should have been all along. That's that's where his career path should have taken him was – 
base down defensive end where he's a very good run defender, and he's been doing that. But then on passing downs, you got to get him inside. Use that upfield burst that he has as an interior rusher because he's not a bend-the-arc edge type of rusher. And they finally let him do it this game. And he was out there early in the in the first quarter, rushing from the inside, showing off that burst, gaining an instant advantage against offensive guards as he shot upfield and could get instantly on the shoulder and past the shoulder of an offensive lineman. Uh, and that was fun to see, but... And he was doing that routinely. He was showing that ability off, and he showed that ability in college. That's who Solomon Thomas is. Uh, didn't really blow up the stat sheet or anything like that, and part of that is because they stopped using him like that. Uh, I, I don't re- recall seeing him at all in the second half utilized like that. And so uh, it goes back to Solomon Tom- or it goes back to Robert Sala, who's been using these players frustratingly uh, inconsistently. And that's that can't be good for anybody. That can't be good for someone's ability to develop and not be put in the position that they need to develop in. And we've seen it in the defensive backfield. We've seen it along the defensive line. It's been frustrating, and it was that way for Solomon Thomas in this game on Sunday. And at this point, there's not many snaps in sub-packages that the 49ers should take the rest of the season that don't have Solomon Thomas on the inside yet. He continues to not be out there. It was there very few times and routinely did beat his man with that initial burst inside. But uh, why he is not rushing from inside and why he hasn't been all along is pretty mystifying, and it's been pretty frustrating. And so that's the one thing I would call out Robert Sala on is his rotations and how he decides to use guys. And it's okay if you have a rotation of interior players, but how few snaps Solomon Thomas has seen as an interior rusher when teams are in sub-packages so often uh, it's really, uh, it's it's indefensible that that Sa- that Robert Sala is not trying to develop the guy who was picked number three overall in 2017, and we've seen that from some of the defensive backs as well. So that that's that's something where I think Kyle Shanahan, who's not the defensive coordinator, has to see that, and even John Lynch at some point to be like, "Look, man, you've got to use these players we draft and help develop this team because right now the way it's working, we're not winning. We've got to at least." keep an eye on the future and start to develop some of this talent we have and not completely waste it. You know, the 49ers did a very good job bottling up Todd Gurley. For most of the game, especially in the first quarter, he eventually got his as far as scoring a couple of touchdowns, and it made it a lot easier that the 49ers continued to give the ball back to the offense of the Rams, and I think the 49ers' defense held their own early, and it was the offense that was really garbage throughout the game and continually gave the ball back to the Rams, whether it was via punt or via turnover, which, of course, is a massive problem for this football team and continues to be. And so not only did they give the ball back to the Rams continuously, they gave them a short field continuously. And they're the best team in football. You cannot do that. And so I don't know how the 49ers expected to win a football game doing that. But they did a pretty good job, that run defense. I've liked what I've seen from the run defense for the 49ers. They held Todd Gurley in check for the most part, especially early in that game. He did get those two touchdowns, uh, but one of Gurley's worst outputs on the season, only, what was it, 63 yards on 15 carries, so a 4.2 average. Um, And actually Malcolm Brown, his backup, the bruising backup running back, 
had a little bit better luck, 13 carries. They kind of split time back there, which is probably a smart move by the Rams to to save the wear and tear on Todd Gurley on a game they had easily in hand. Uh, he gained 65 yards on 13 carries for a 5-yard average, but Gurley did have those two touchdowns for you fantasy guys who drafted Todd Gurley. George Kittle, still balling and still playing his ass off, which I love to see. The 49ers were down. Uh, they were down big at some points, and he was pumped up. He was playing hard, and he was absolutely the the star of the game for the 49ers, the sort of like that twinkle of something that you could watch and be like, yes, okay, we have this going forward. This is something to uh, hang your hat on. George Kittle was fantastic. Uh, I mean, he didn't light up the scoreboard, but he was playing hard, and as bad as the 49ers were throwing the ball, his five catches for 98 yards, nearly 20-yard average on those receptions, had the 35-yarder and that touchdown. Uh, George Kittle, a definite bright spot for the 49ers. And speaking of the passing game, come on. Through three quarters, give or take, there was one reception by a wide receiver. I mean, that can't happen. This day and age, I talked about Patrick Mahomes lighting things on fire. With the offenses, the way they are putting up record numbers in the NFL, the 49ers complete one pass through three quarters to their wide receivers is completely unacceptable. And it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing how bad uh, that 49ers passing game was. Uh, Turning the ball over, uh, could not just could not throw it around. They ended up with four catches. Marquise Goodwin did catch a couple of late balls, and Pierre Garcon had one for five yards. Trent Taylor had one for six yards. That was the passing output to wide receivers. And aside from George Kittle's five catches, uh, really they didn't do much in the passing game at all the entire game. And uh, C.J. Beathard's line was pretty ugly. And by the way, speaking of C.J. Beathard, C.J. Beathard has now thrown more passes in the NFL than Jimmy Garoppolo has. Wrap your brain around that one. And by the end of the season, if C.J. Beathard, as is expected, takes all the snaps and doesn't get hurt and plays the rest of the way for the 49ers, he'll have about double as many snaps and double the experience as an NFL passer than Jimmy Garoppolo has and that just goes to show you how uh, it just goes to show you how much Jimmy Garoppolo needs to be on the field and needs to take those snaps. CJ Beathard is the veteran quarterback on the 49ers right now. Um, that's a that's a frightening thought. CJ Beathard, he's thrown for about a 57.8 clip for his career on his 365 NFL pass attempts for just under 2,500 yards, 11 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has thrown four fewer passes. He's completed 65%, a little over 65% of his 361 attempts for just under 3,000 yards, 17 touchdowns, and eight interceptions. So C.J. Beathard is minus two as far as TDs to interceptions, and Jimmy Garoppolo's plus nine TDs to interceptions, and that's not even counting the fumbles, which uh, C.J. Beathard has had a rough go of. And uh, he had another fumble lost in this game that I thought should have been an interception. The ball where he was hit in the pocket, and it flew forward and was caught by the Rams. Was it Michael Brockers? Uh, who was that? Uh, the Rams defensive lineman that that made that intercept or made, that picked up that fumble. That was. 
that should have been an interception, right? Because he was in the process of throwing, got hit, the ball went forward. I don't know. Who cares? It's a turnover either way. And and C.J. Beathard has become just a massive turnover machine. So when you're an inefficient thrower and you're not creating plays, you're not creating big plays, like he made some big plays in that Monday night football game. And that was one of the best games he ever played. He was getting the ball out quicker. They were getting blitzed a ton by Mike Pettin's Packers defense. And he's getting the ball out quicker, making big throws down the field, making big plays to especially Marquise Goodwin. Uh, none of that was happening in this football game. Uh, slow going through his reads again, went back to his old ways of spending too much time in the pocket. Uh, didn't look like he was processing things quickly, uh, getting hit, fumbling the ball, uh, missing throws. So just when you thought he was, had maybe turned a corner as a, as a passer for the 49ers, still a young quarterback, it kind of regressed again in Week 7 against the Rams. And just and just some little things, too, on top of like the obvious major stuff that went wrong for the 49ers in this football game. The multiple fumbles, Weston Richburg snaps the ball while Beathard is trying to change a play call. Uh, they ended up recovering that, but was that Beathard... Was that Beathard's screw-up? Was that Richburg not understanding he's about to... Uh, about to change the play and then snaps while Beathard's looking up and is making some hand signal. I mean, you got to clean some of these things up. The 49ers repeatedly are making these uh, small mistakes that turn into big mistakes. Beathard taking a sack on third down, knocking the 49ers out of field goal range. At this point, uh, that field goal could have tied it up early in the first quarter and made the game 3-3. Three to three. Uh, Those three points could have been huge, and it would have been huge in a lot of games for the 49ers, not in this one, but they have lost a lot of games by around three points or less, and so those kind of things matter. Chikwaski Tart dropping an interception, ball thrown directly to him by Jared Goff in the first quarter, um, allowing a blocked punt that turns out to be a safety was nearly a touchdown for the Rams' uh, defense. Just so, and I mean that's early in the game. It went. I stopped keeping track of just the little things that the 49ers are, are continually screwing up and getting wrong, and they, they've got to clean that stuff up. And it, it, the coaching staff has to, at some point, take ownership of the mishaps, of uh, the mental errors the penalties and the turnovers and the missed tackles and all the things that have plagued the 49ers this season. We saw them all on Sunday. The the, the, the coaching staff has to take steps to rectify these things. All right. Uh, after this, we do have, hey, there's some positive here. There, there was some game balls to give out, so we'll give those out next. And if you would like to advertise with Locked On 49ers or any podcast on the network, your company could be right here. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their favorite podcast. Our demographic is 98% males and more education and earning more than traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor this podcast? Just email me at LockedOn49ers at gmail.com. I know it's hard to believe, but I do have... You know what? <laughs> I, I wanted to give out multiple game balls, and I, I have one game ball I'm going to give out for sure. You can probably guess who that player is that will get one, and that might be it because I wanted to give the offensive line a game ball collectively because I didn't give them one last week, and the, the offensive line played great last week, and they deserved a game ball for how well they ran the ball. They kept C.J. Beathard clean. He was only sacked twice in a week six against the Packers. Uh, but C.J. Beathard just got hit too much. Part of that was on him, not getting the ball out quick enough. But the offensive line was just owned by Aaron Donald and that defensive front from the Rams. C.J. Beathard got sacked seven times in this one. And so I just can't give, even though they ran the ball okay, 
I, I can't give the offensive line the sort of late recognition game ball that I wanted to this week. So instead, I'm just going to give out one game ball. That game ball goes to George Kittle, who is really making a name for himself in the NFL, becoming a top five tight end in the league, maybe a top three or four tight end in the league when you consider Gronk, uh, Kelsey, Zach Ertz. I mean, after Kelsey and Gronk, Kittle's in that conversation, and he's actually third in the NFL right now in receiving yards with 527, which is already a total that surpasses his output entirely from 2017. In 2017, he caught 43 balls for 515 yards and a pair of touchdowns. This year, he's already matched those two touchdowns and surpassed the yards with 527 on only 32 catches. So he's a big play machine, too, averaging 16.5 yards per catch. So he uh, he's well on his way to a 1,000-yard season as a tight end and big play machine and really one of the, the key weapons on the 49ers offense and one of the key pieces to the 49ers team, I think, going forward. So George Kittle deserves a game ball and more, and I think just to sort of cement how good he was and how bad the rest of the team was, I'm going to leave it at that and just leave George Kittle as the solo game ball holder from Week 7 against the Los Angeles Rams. Some honorable mentions, Raheem Mostert, I mentioned his burst earlier. He's fun to watch as a runner, but really didn't get enough volume uh, to make a huge impact on that football game. Fred Warner led the team in tackles with nine, five of those solo. He continues to collect tackles and and move around the field well. So honorable mention guy, but just not uh, impactful enough, not a game-changing sort of uh, game for Fred Warner. Tart was very good in this one. Uh, maybe if he would have caught that dropped interception, I think he would have absolutely gotten a game ball because that could have been a game-changing play. But he was still around, made a lot of tackles around the line of scrimmage or behind it. So Jaquaski Tart showing up, and uh, it was nice to see him play pretty well. On the other side of things, Reuben Foster, man. What's going on with Reuben Foster? A dip in production from last year for sure, but not flashing like he did as a rookie in 2017. He only had two tackles on Sunday which is very un-Ruben Foster-like. Even though he hadn't been playing at a superstar level, which is a level I thought he was going to attain in 2018, he's been good, and he's been around the ball and and making some plays. He was sort of a no-show on Sunday. Two tackles. What's going on with Ruben Foster? I was really hoping to see him take that next step, and he hasn't done it so far this season. So that's sort of a storyline to watch going forward. And I wonder if that shoulder injury he's dealing with is not a lot worse than he's letting on. Because he was he was playing one-armed for at least one game this season. And so maybe the miscommunications that are going on with Robert Sala's defense and some injury with, with Reuben Foster. Is that what's going on with him? But I've uh, been a little bit disappointed in what I've seen from Reuben Foster and it's it's not time to be alarmed yet, but I don't know. There's there's some concern just in the overall output of the 49ers defense. Even though they played better in this game, they gave their offense multiple chances to do something. And that's sort of another point here before before I let you guys go. Uh, the, the one thing that is frustrating, I think, the most about the 49ers is there has been different games where different units played well and looked good, but they have not even come close to being able to put that together with the offense playing well. The offensive line looking good, and C.J. Beathard 
throwing the ball well and the running game happening at the same time as the defense is looking good and continually giving the ball back to the offense. All those things working in concert just flat out has not happened for the 49ers. Maybe save that one victory at home against the Lions in week two. But they weren't even clicking yet at that point either. So that's something to look forward to is the 49ers still have a chance to be a lot better because they could be consistent on both sides of the ball, which they just flat out have not been yet in 2018. But I've got hopefully some answers. Tuesday's episode is all going to be about going forward, uh, what the 49ers can do to get better. So I think I'm going to have a plan of attack, and it's going to be one option that the 49ers could take going forward. So that will be Tuesday's episode. Keep those mailbag questions coming. I'm going to dip into the mailbag as well because I know a lot of you guys have questions and some different uh, some different ideas about what's going on with the 49ers. So hit me up on Twitter at BDPeacock. Email the show, LockedOn49ers at Gmail. That will be tomorrow's episode. On Wednesday, we'll have the crossover with the guys from Locked On Cardinals. I've got Eric Crocker coming up, I believe, on Thursday, breaking down the 49ers defensive backs and then the weekly wink on Friday's episode. All right, talk to you guys then right here on Locked On 49ers.